You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, welcome back to Open Court with Jay Young, your podcast place for Fairfield basketball, along with the coach. I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis. And today we're also pleased to welcome back to the podcast the former stag, Jesus Cruz, who remains with the program as Fairfield's Director of Basketball Operations. And we're going to introduce a new feature this time around on the podcast. We'll call it the Open Court Challenge. We'll ask a Stags basketball question and allow you to think about it during the podcast. Then we'll give you the answer when we wrap things up. And so here is today's question. T.J. Long scored 25 points in Friday's win over Marist before T.J., who was the last player to score as many as 25 points in a game for Fairfield. So again, uh, T.J. Long, 25 against Marist on Friday before T.J., who was the last player to score as many as 25 in a game for the Stags. All right, so you can think about that while we turn our attention to um, this past weekend for the Stags. And uh, Jay set the stage for us. One and one weekend, they turned out to be a blowout win over Marist, and then they uh, turned out to be a disappointing loss against Siena, fell behind by a lot, came back, ended up losing to uh, the Saints. And we'll start it off with this. Uh, Based on the return to Mac play, how close or not is the team where you wanted to be at this point of the season, four games into the Mac season? Yeah, I think our defense is is, uh, making some really positive strides after four games in Mac play. We've been a good defensive team. We've still got a long way to go. Uh, I think you saw in both second halves what our offense can be when we make some shots and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, we can be a good team, but we got to be way more consistent, uh, on the offensive end, turn the ball over less and, uh, you know, score on a more consistent basis. We just, we left so many points in that first half on, on the board, off the board, um, with missed free throws, missed layups, some opportunities that we could have gone as badly as we played. We were lucky to be down nine, but we really, you know, a couple free throws, a couple layups, um, just some real, you know, you watch the film, and I knew it was going to be like that watching it live, just kind of, you know, disgusted at the points that we left on the board uh, with some opportunities to go in the locker room, down four, down two, whatever it was, and uh, we've got to be way more consistent on that end, but there's there's room for growth on both ends. So we're, we're heading there. We, we had some good moments this weekend. We played, you know, a very good Siena team, and I thought a good Marist team. We just kind of, you know, TJ opened it up for us in that second half. But uh, we got to be more consistent for sure offensively. That's that's glaring. And then there's a lot of work that we can do defensively to, to help us too. I thought our defense did create some offense for us this weekend, which was nice to see with some steals. And we'll talk about that. I wanted to ask you about uh, those uh, missed opportunities, especially against Siena. Uh, the free throws, well, that's pretty quantifiable. Either you knock those down or you don't. And obviously you want to be uh, at or above where you have been about this year, 70%. Um, you want to do better than that, but you don't want to go lower than that. Ed Cooley used to call these zero-footers, shots at the rim, which um, go in or don't go in. And it seems the eye test tells us that more than 
what you would expect. Don't go down for the stags. Um, I don't know if I'm going back a year or just speaking about this year, but you you're, you you dive pretty deep into this stuff. Uh, what do you see when you? And I know it's frustrating when those, as you said, those shots at the rim just aren't going in. Yeah, we've actually been pretty good at that. Our statistics. I'll say we've been pretty good at the rim this year. That. Um, you know our guys who who play at the rim, Supreme and uh, and AJ have have done well for us. We we just had too many sequences where, you know, we had one sequence where we, I think we got four or five field goal attempts at the thing all around the rim. We uh, and we couldn't make a play. Uh, AJ missed a, a, a lefty play that he normally makes. Supreme tried to follow it up with a dunk. He missed that. So. You know, which probably skews the thinking of somebody like me who's right. just watching it. And then, yeah. yeah, no, our numbers at the rim have been good. Um, uh, you know, Caleb's shooting sixty-five percent at the rim for yeah. for a point guard, yeah. and, and you know, obviously Supreme and uh, AJ, all their shots are at the rim for the most part. So that's been a real strength of ours. But we just did not convert on. And then when we get fouled, because we, you know, we're, we've got two guys uh, with AJ and Supreme who are top ten in the country in foul rate. Uh, we weren't able to convert, convert those free throws with good shooters going to the line. AJ's been a, a much better free throw shooter, and obviously TJ misses, you know, uh, two. You know, you just and when you're hemorrhaging for baskets, you can't have that. Yep. You got You just got to have make those plays. So that was really frustrating. But our our percentage at the rim has been good. Um, going back to defensive uh, defensively, last week I asked you about the one thing that you wanted to clean up defensively. You said ball screen defense. Coming into this game with Javon McCullough, and they set a lot of ball screens, I thought you might be in trouble. You defended him well. You got to beat inside, though. I thought their big man hurt you. Is that an individual thing? Is that a team thing? It's it's both. I mean, Stormo's going to get to his right hand. We we knew we were going to give up some baskets. Uh, the kid, Lane, really, you know, at the end of the game, he was the guy. He gets eight points on us, and he gets a rim run on uh, transition, uh, Supreme tries to go for two steals that we miss, and he gets, you know, and and I'm, you know, he's he's not a guy who comes in and does that. And um, the other thing is, we turned it over that we they had they had twenty points off five steals from them, um, twenty points off, and we they, only, they had five steals, but they converted them all. So those paint points, it's it's just not post ups. It's guys laying the ball up and in when you turn the ball over. Every one of their live ball turnovers came back to kill us, um, and that was that's what we can't have. So um, I would say that the most disappointing thing was, was the kid Lane for me uh, coming in as a backup and getting eight points against us on really. And I showed the guys the film. We watched film yesterday, like an easy eight points for him that, that – you know, if you just really play behind him, he's either going to throw the ball out or he's going to do something else. So, I really wanted those back. Stormo's a good player. He's going to, he's he's a load. He's going to get to his right hand as much. And I thought we did a decent job with him. I really did. He had a, you know, he had a ball bounce off. You know, we had a great block by Supreme. Ball bounces off Wojcik's leg. It goes right to him. He gets a rim run. So if you take away those two plays, which you can't, I thought you know overall we we were fine with him. It was just more the. Um, the backup post coming in and getting eight points. I thought that was a killer. You know, I, I, I've said it on a couple of my broadcasts. I don't know if it's warranted or not. So you give up point, uh, paint points, like you said, post post moves, uh, transition, putbacks. On dribble drives, you don't really have a shot blocker. Mido is, um, because of the numbers, he's not – he's more of a come-from-the-weak side. 
We had a kid here a few years ago, Bob's heard me say, Ryan Olander, who was not a shot blocker, but, man, he got a lot of charges. I remember last year you used to, quote, unquote, defend Zach Chrysler because he would get those charges, and that's why you played him. Is that a concern to yourself that you don't get enough defensive action at the rim in terms of charges? I'd like to get more. I mean, that's really not Supreme's thing, and, and you know, you worry about him picking up a block foul. So, you know, um, and we're, you know, I tell everybody this, like, like, we're designed, the way we design stuff is kind of like, let's bring them inside the three. We're going to give up, on most cases, a higher number than usual at for two-point field goals. And, you know, our thing is, like, defend the three, which we're one of the best teams in the country at doing, keep them off the free throw line, and can they generate enough two-point field goals to beat you? If you look at our numbers defensively, especially in the league, we're one or two in almost every single category right now. Um so we've done enough. That's not saying we, we have to get better and, and there's some drives off from guards and that type of stuff that we we have to clean up. But uh, overall, especially in our four league games, you know, that has not been our issue. It has not been a defensive issue for us. Um, I checked yesterday and, and uh, you know, Ken Palm has us at the top of, I think we're the number two efficient defense after four games in the league. And we've held everybody except for Siena to under a point per, per, per possession. So we've we've done what we had to on that side of the ball. Uh, we've got to clean up so much offensively. And you, there's, you know, if we're going to throw pick sixes like we did the other game, like the other night, there's, it's going to hurt your defense too. I mean, like if they're laying the ball up and in. So uh, uh, this is not to say, guys, that we, we there's a lot of progress on our defensive end because I'm, you know, we we need to make those plays that we're not making on that end too. But really, it's we need to clean up so much on that offensive end right now. How about the uh, starts to your games uh, this past weekend? Uh, slow starts, obviously, against Marist. Uh, you turned it around quickly on them. You were down, though, 11-4 to against them. And then you look at the uh, Siena game. Uh, you were down 18 before you settled in in that first half. And in retrospect, that's what cost you the game. Are slow starts to some of these games concerning you? They are. Yeah, they are. We're trying to look at some lineup data and that type of thing to see if we can help it a little bit. But uh, we've gotten off to some slow starts. It's We've talked about it as a staff, um, and we got to do a better job. Uh, you know, we started the game with a with – a, we went right inside. We liked the matchup with A.J. at the four. We get a layup to go up 2 nothing, and then, you know, we get into these droughts. Um, but we don't help ourselves with these slow starts when we – you got to make layups and you got to make free throws to, to end some of that. We could have – our slow starts, you know, could have been uh, 18 to 12 the other day instead of what it was. And we just did, we had so many missed opportunities offensively that we did not take advantage of. So uh, we got to do a way better job with that because, because you know, you, you're expending a lot of energy coming back in these games when you don't have to. <clears throat> Jay, I don't know if there's an answer for this, but you go down 27 to 9. And then specifically, like, I'm watching Wojcik up in Ely's face. Why didn't that start – why didn't that happen in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I watched. We, 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 I didn't. They made some sh- very difficult shots on us early. Um, I thought we defended okay for the most part. That their shot. I, I, I actually, after I watched the tape, usually when teams make shots like that, um, you just feel eventually that your defense is going to come around. But we need to pick up our defensive pressure. Our de- honestly, our defense got us probably six to eight points in the first half with with us stealing the ball and us turning them over. Against Marist, our defense created what was a 20, 20 to 28 points. We got off of steals. So, more than that, I'll tell you about that in a second. Yeah. So, we're, you know, again, like what's happened 
and I say this all the time, when, you, when you're struggling to score and, and when you're not converting, every defensive stop becomes the Super Bowl for you, mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult way to play. And, and uh, yeah, we, like I said, we, we look at everything. We, got a, we showed them clips yesterday of bad defensive possessions, bad offensive possessions, and good stuff too. We, we did some really good things. Obviously, we fought like hell, and I was proud of our effort, but our execution was, was bad in a lot of moments. And versus a very good team like Siena, you can't have that. You uh, you were talking about turning, in particular, Marist over, and um, Drew Kingsley did a little research. I asked him to check this out. Uh, 34 points off of turnovers against Marist, and uh, those are the most points a Fairfield team has scored off of turnovers in 15 years. Uh, there are only four other times in that 15-year time span where a Fairfield team has turned turnovers into 30 or more points, and 34 is the most leading me to my question which is is that potentially a bigger element than maybe even we thought earlier in the season of this Fairfield team can they become a a team that disrupts even more than we thought the potential was there for yeah so what one of the things after last year is is just look you know when you analyze everything that that uh, for us defensively we, we created few so few live ball turnovers and that's something that you know, I really want to address this year and try and do a way better job of. Recently, we've done that, obviously, and been way more active in gaps, uh, trying to, you know, do a little more defensively where we can disrupt a couple things if we know a play uh, that we have the call and some of the actions that someone's running, we can, we can you know, do something to try and steal the ball or, or, or uh, you know, get us going in transition. So for us, I think I think we were second in the league right now after again after four games in steal percentage, which never happens. Believe me, that's that never happens for us. So we are way up in that category. So it's something we we wanted to take a real hard look at. Um, you know, uh, Caleb's adding him has certainly helped because he's got good instincts off the ball. He he had uh, you know one versus Sienna, I think two and two uh, steals. Uh, that led to directly to layups versus uh, Maris. So he, he certainly helped. The personnel's helped a little bit. But it's something we did take a look at after the season and say, you know, we we create some dead ball turnovers with guys, you know, traveling or double dribbling or, or taking charges. But we, we we just had so few. We were one of the worst teams in the country in live ball turnovers. That, and when, the way we play isn't going to really lead to that, but I just knew that that was a number that we had to improve at. So I, I know it's not black and white like this, but Maris comes in with all due respect. I, they're not a bad team. I get it, but they have one. They had one double figure score. Sienna comes in with multiple options to score. It sounds to me, in order for you to win the game, you're supposed to and steal against some of the upper t- you need more threats offensively. Or we need to hold p- opponents to less than a point per possession defensively. That's that's our key. I mean, we're. We, we've lost two games all year, and they were one-possession games when we've done that. We lost the Mercer game, and we lost the Manhattan game. And uh, when we hold teams for under a point per possession, we're going to win on most nights. And uh, so that the answer, there's only one game le- this year that we've won. That was the Towson game where we gave up over a point per possession and still won the game. So the key for me is always, and I think we've discussed this, if we can hold someone under a point per possession, we're probably going to win the game. Uh, you, you're going very deep uh, to, for me in analytics. I, I do have another coach I talk to that talks about points. But I'm looking at your team. Caleb Fields is in a rut. Last four games has not been good offensively. But he's got to be out there because he's so good. AJR has been great. Same thing. Even though he's not a big-time scorer, he does so many good things. I get all that. 
You got Fields at the one. You got Long. You got a good center. Who needs to step up and make shots? That that's the, the you know. Well, TJ's done that the last couple of games for sure. I mean, Woj I, I thought played really well against yes, I agree. Uh, against uh, against Siena the other night. I thought he had a good game. He's got to make a couple though, but but. I thought his defense. We just—he was just in here watching film, and he did a really good job. He created a couple of uh, steals for us, and he, you know, he still makes plays for guys. And uh, you know, our bench has got to give us a little more. TJ has come off the bench though, and I liked him. I always said I liked him in that role, and he's. So if you look at bench points now, we're way up in those, and that's because of one guy, TJ. So, you know, we all, you know, we, we all just got to be a little more efficient. I don't, you know, we, we've. We, it's it's really what it comes down to is a guy's taking a couple better shots and making them. It's not one guy who needs to go from four to twelve or whatever. But you know, obviously Woj is really struggling on that end of the floor. He, he's he, but I just watched the whole game with him before you guys got in here, and I just said to him like, look, you know, there's there's a couple that that you know that he's gonna want back, but that's true with every guy who's who's you know, plays, and he did a great job defensively. He created a couple plays for guys, threw an extra pass that got us a hockey assist. So all those things that probably don't come out in the box score, he's been doing a good job of. But we need, yeah, I mean, we need to play better on offense to give us a little more breathing room on the defensive end. But I, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, it, it does, you know. but I still want I want to elaborate a little more. And, and, and I don't even know if you did this in the last game. I'm sitting courtside, but sometimes, I mean, so I'm looking at Leach and looking at James Johns Jr., guys that I think offensively can play a little bit. They got to give you more, some combination of more points. Did you – again, I'm just spitballing here because I don't even know if you did it. Could you move Wojcik to the one, put Caleb at the two, then try to get him more offensive looks rather than him trying to do everything with the ball? Yeah, I mean, Caleb's – you know, both those guys – obviously, Caleb's our primary ball handler. We, we – you know, but either one of the guys can bring the ball up, and we've out, we've told them that. Just we're not worried about who we outlet the ball to. You two guys can both go, and the very small amount of time that Woj is, I mean, uh, Caleb is out of the game. Woj moves over. That's not a, obviously a great amount of time, but I like the ball with in Caleb's hands. And my thing with him, even him yesterday, like I like him when he's aggressive. I like him going downhill. Um, he had a drive the other night against Siena, and this is what I keep telling him: just get it to the rim. And even he missed the drive, and Supreme's always there to to, to rebound the thing. So uh, I just, I, you know, he was in here yesterday, just kind of watching some stuff too. And I was like, "Yo, we just got to get you downhill more, and you got to be way more aggressive." Uh, and he said, "Yeah, no, I realized that over the last few games, I've just been kind of passive with some stuff." So uh, you know, it's a long season, and and uh, you know, again. For Caleb, he, you know, he hasn't his numbers haven't been great the last few games, but he, he's another guy who's done so many good things for us, uh, you know, with creating steals and they're impacting winning. I, I texted AJ after the Maris game; he was 0 for four, had a plus 22 in the game. Mm-hmm. So I texted him at, that night and said, "Hey, this is how you impact winning," and uh, we just got to do more of those type of things. Closing out games take us into a practice and I'm talking about closing out games when you have a lead in a one or two possession game or the situation you were in most recently against Siena where you had gotten it down to a two-point game and now uh, you're not looking to close it out you're looking to get over the hump and then close it out take us into a practice what are um, take us through what how you prepare a team for those kinds of situations uh, both ways, wh- yeah. when you're trying to complete a comeback and when you're trying to finish off a game. 
Well, one of the drills we do a lot is we play this turnover game, and uh, you put a time up a score, and it's always last two minutes, last three minutes, last, and you play the score. The score is usually tied, and then whoever wins. But if you have one turnover in the game, you automatically lose. So we'll do that just to prove, just to, you know, hey, this is what happens when you turn the ball over under two, three minutes because your recovery time now for mistakes and those, there is none, right? You just run out of time. So we've done that drill. We've done, you know, but there's nothing that replicates whatever you do in practice when you're out there live and the emotion is going on. And, you know, the other night I didn't, I, I would have loved to have had a timeout just to kind of settle us because I could feel that we were getting caught up in a little of what was going on. But look, you can't, uh, you know, uh, you you can't miss a free throw box. You know, I, and I said this after, I don't know if there's a, a, a team in the country or a coach in the country who talks more about free throw box outs than, than I do. It's been a pet peeve of mine since I started coaching. We run a, an NBA run, what we call it, for every free throw. If we miss a free throw box in a game, we, we run it, and we miss one late in the game. And so it was very frustrating. And then we go to get a, a dribble handoff late in the game, and we don't execute a dribble handoff, which, you know, so those are the things that, that just drive you crazy and that we got to clean up and do a way better job of. And obviously practice more. That's on me because we weren't as good in that situation as we should have been, and that's on me. Let's uh, bring in Jesus, who um, has been around this program for seemingly forever, Jesus. <laughs> you, uh, of course, are a, um, a record holder, not only for Fairfield, but uh, in the MAC. 156 games played as the most of Fairfield history, the most for any Mac player. And um, I don't think that anybody's going to catch you unless we have unusual circumstances, which obviously were a part of you being able to uh, be here for as long as you did. But you have a, a unique perspective. You've been around this program for a long time. So I wanted to ask you this year versus last year when you were a member of the team, what are the things that most impress you about this year's Fairfield team? And what are the things that you feel needs to be done better in order to get to where this program wants to be? Uh, so comparing the teams, I feel like uh, this year is way more talented. I remember when, uh, when I came back to start my role as director of ops in the first couple of practices, people were asking me about how the team looks. I was like, oh, they're way better than, than us. I hate to say it, but they're way better than us. So, but um, I feel like they got to get a little better with, um, I feel like they we're missing a little bit of experience, um, more a little bit more IQ, but I feel like the team is way more talented. And so the, as the season keeps going on, I feel like, We'll learn from games like Siena. We'll learn from even Marys. We're up big, and we kind of messed that thing up at the last two minutes. So we'll become more mature, and I feel like the team will like um, have better results. I feel like the team's more talented. It's better. So that's that's what my takeaway. When you talk about uh, – you use the word experience – do you mean collective experience? Because if you just look at the you know the years on the floor, you do have experienced quote unquote players out there. Is it that collective shared experience you're talking about? Yeah, I feel like it's more about the players that we used to have. Like we have Caleb Green, we used to have Taj, myself. I feel like we've been through a lot of wars, and um, I just feel like we're a little bit more experienced in that sense. And now like. We, we got more guys that are becoming a more focal part of the team, and they're getting more reps in that. So they're starting to get better at that, and 
you can see it through the game. We started 0-4 through the season. We started 0-4, and, and now we are 6-4 and four, our last 10. So you've seen the the progression and the improvement, so that's a good sign. You uh, didn't necessarily think you'd be sitting in this room with us at this time of the year. Uh, when you ended your Fairfield career, you weren't really sure of what the next step was and how did it all come about that you became uh, what is uh, known as the DOBO, the Director of Basketball Operations? Um, so, yeah, I was just here visiting, uh, working out because uh, I, I just got down playing back home in Puerto Rico and I was visiting the guys and the coaches. Um, it's like a family here, so I love coming back. And um, Coach Young just tells me how, can you come see me in my office? And he tells me that Jimmy, um, the past director of Ops, uh, is taking a role at, with the Brooklyn Nets. And he knows about me wanting to get into coaching. And he says that he trusts me and that I'm in the uh, – he wanted to keep me in the family. And it was – um. It was more convenient for him than I was already there than him searching for all these candidates and looking for a job search um, so, like, deep in the in the preseason already. So he's told me, okay, can you help me with this? It, it will help you, too, to start your new career. So I was like, of course, I'll, I'll love to. I'm around my guys. I'm around the coaching staff. So it's been great. I have uh, two questions for you. One, a little general. What are your responsibilities? And number two, I know one of them is ticket requests. <laughs> so my question is, who's the biggest pain in the butt when it comes to getting tickets for? I'll answer the second question for It's definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely you. But uh, some of my responsibilities are um, our team's travel, making sure the team uh, gets to the games, hotels, meals, um, I, I handle a little bit of the film work as well, um, uh, the logistics of if we need a shoot around, if a visiting team needs a shoot around time, uh, a practice time, I handle that. Um, and just being there for um, Coach Young and the rest of the coaches will make their job easier. Um, that's pretty much it. You um, this this team had eight straight road games to open the year and uh, so that meant it was especially uh, an especially big challenge for you in a new job I mean you were thrown right into the fire because of all those road games any uh, any problems arise that you didn't see coming what what has been your biggest challenge in terms of what you talked about in uh, a logistical sense um yeah I remember BD uh coach Dewar said that uh probably will be like the worst um start for our first year dobo in in the history but um we got through it he's been helping me a lot he's been great coach Young has been helping me a lot um the biggest challenge for me is just that everything i feel like everything goes through me so players if they need something they'll they'll, they'll uh, approach me if the coaches need something they'll approach me if the other team needs something they'll approach me so i always gotta be like sharp and on top of my games so make sure nothing goes wrong and coach john has told me um i forgot what the the rule of murph what is, what is it um <clears throat> i expect that anything that could go wrong oh, expect oh murphy's, the worst. Law. murphy's law <laughs> yeah. murphy's law there you go yeah, he used to play here <laughs> <laughs> so are you still i so when the season ends do you go back to puerto rico to play like do you have a contract how's that work yeah i'm planning i'm planning on going back um 
I'm actually uh, negotiating my contract uh, in these next couple of days. But I am uh, with my hometown team. I'm five years with them. This will be year two. So once the season ends, I'll go back to um, playing. How has the dynamic changed between you and many of your former teammates? And in a sense, they still are your teammates. They always will be. But uh, now you're in more of a position of authority, so that kind of changes the, the balance of power here, doesn't it? Uh, a little bit. I feel like it's been kind of the same, though. It, they just they still see me as a teammate, but they, uh, they've they been good, man. I, I told them once I started to try to help me as much as they can, being on point with their stuff, uh, being on time, because if they're not on time, it kind of um, – relies on like it's on me so they've been great with that stuff um and it's been great have been with them uh another year i remember last year when we lost to st peter that was really um i was really down that i like i couldn't i was not gonna be with them again i i, I didn't hang out with one single teammate of me of mine um in the in, at puerto rico i have 40 year old teammates 34 year old teammates different so being back here with them is just great um uh, so the dynamic hasn't changed that much, but it's it's been great. And has this all whetted your appetite uh, for coaching even more? You told us in the past on one of these podcasts that's something that you've considered doing as a profession. Do you does, do you burn to even do it more now? Um, right now, it's it's gotten my appetite up for playing. I still want to get uh, all the miles that I can get out of my body with playing. So I I can't wait to be done with that but it, it's great experience to see if like when the ball actually stops bouncing I already got something under my belt I already know kind of what I have to do what I, I have to expect so that's that's been the um positive thing about taking this role that I can kind of see what I got to do and see if I want to go that way or not whenever uh whenever I stop playing Jay, you're you're a tough grader, so we'll preface the question by saying that. Uh, how do you grade Jesus so far in year one as a Dobo? Well, he's got a long way to go still till March, but he's done a great job. He's I'm going to give him an A. Um, nice, that, he, that's some compliment, Jesus. Well, you know, I I, I, uh, I had a talk with him a couple of weeks ago, and, and this is I've told him this that he's taking this job real seriously. Um. When Jimmy told us he was going to Brooklyn Nets, the timing was obviously in the middle of September, and it was like uh, I said, it was like a bad bad breakup. I was uh, not that he couldn't go to the Nets, but it was like I, I I was emotionally not ready to go through a job search. You know what happens mm. then? And Zeus was sitting here, and uh, I said, "Man, this is a guy I totally trust," um, and you know uh, he's a smart kid and and uh, wanted to get into coaching. So I thought it was for us the perfect situation. And, you know, I am worried it's a year out of play and he's got to now tell these guys what to do. And he's handled that remarkably well. And uh, he's been organized, uh, you know, and I think he's realized how much he enjoys playing after working for me for a year. <laughs> that was – and I and, and I, I guess I could say I, I wanted him, but I told him, hey, man, if this is something that you want to do, you've done such a good job, I'd take you back and, and the job could be yours, but he still wants to play. So I respect that. But uh, he's done a great job for us. Listen, we, we ask you this one, too, every time, but a lot of our fans, a lot of our listeners want to know 
where we're at with Bryson Goodine. You could obviously use what he brings to the floor, so a lot of fans are interested in where he's at as far as his recovery from uh, it's a knee injury. Right. Yeah, so he took uh, he had a cortisone shot the other day, which seemed to help him a little bit. Worked out last night, so um, it's a just a, it's it's really a day by day, week by week thing with him trying to get him back and see where 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 he's at. The good news for the last three days or so after he's taken the shot, he seems to have responded pretty well to it and says he feels you know better than he has in the past, but. You know, by the next time we do our podcast, it's it's really just you know a pain tolerance thing with him right now, and see where he, where he can go. So that's that's really the only update I have. Hate to use the word, it's the S word. You're trying to avoid surgery here, correct? Because once you make that yeah, he, decision, it's obviously, over. yeah, yep, yeah, that had to happen. He would be done for the year. So yeah. um, Niagara coming up next uh, to close out what has become a seven game homestand. Uh, your preparation for Niagara, the things that are important to emphasize against them? Well, Greg's a really good coach, and, uh, you know, they've got now the leading scorer in the league. I think he's passed McCollum, um, and uh, he's a really difficult guard uh, because he can just at any point kind of go get a basket on his own. Uh, and he's a guy that if you don't do it, you can get, can get 30 on you. So... Uh, I was just watching. I just kind of started diving into them, obviously, right after we played Sienna. But they run good stuff. Um, they'll defend you. They're a tough team. And they've got one guy at any point can go for a big number. So uh, we're going to have to be on our toes against him. Yeah, it's Noah Tomlinson you're talking about. Uh, very impressed with him. Um, something uh, changed course. Matty Curtis uh, is really the only guy you've signed for next year. How's he doing do you wish you had him this year? What What's he going to give to you? Yeah, he's having a very good year at Avon Old Farms, and I think the year for him, um, you know, being away from home and, and playing mm-hmm. in a good league and, and, and all that type of stuff is going to be really good for him. He was at our game the other night. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a welcome addition. And, and uh, you know, like all freshmen, there's going to be a learning curve. So, uh, But he's a, a you know, great kid, hard worker, and a, another really great addition to our program. Final thing uh, to wrap it up here, uh, this Niagara game is your only game in 11-day stretch. Um, so it allows you time to get ready for them. And then, of course, uh, after that, Iona. But uh, you're going to have time to get some, some work done. This is a pretty good stretch of time where you can do some you know, basketball classroom stuff. Uh, what are you going to be um, keying in on? Yeah, it is a good time. And, and you know, we always kind of, you know, we've worked on some stuff a little differently, uh, whether it's offensive, defensively, but we just haven't had enough time right now with these back-to-back games. So that will give us some time for hopefully us to, to, to work on some new things and, and make some adjustments to what we're doing already. But it's that's that period of the, you know, that you really have the time to, hey, this is, we're going to try something different here or, or uh, and, and, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure what that is, but we have worked on some stuff that we just need to work on more. And I feel that that 11 days coming up will be a good time for that to do. So um, it's a general way of answering that, 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 yep. we're, that uh, you know, it is a good break for us to get better with some stuff. Well, it's uh, time now to uh, answer the open court challenge. And the question we put out there was TJ Long scored 25 for the Stags uh, against Maris before TJ, who was the last Fairfield player to score as many as 25 points in the game. I think Jay probably knows the answer. Joe, I'm going to ask you, you have any I idea? have no idea. I mean, it'd be easy to say Tyler Nelson, but it's gonna, that's too easy, so I have no idea. <clears throat> Jesus, what's the answer? 
Jesus oh, Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, uh, Jesus did not know that's this was something that uh, was not planned in collaboration with Jesus. He is the answer. Um, he scored 25 in an overtime win against Canisius last Valentine's Day, February 14th. Five threes was a five. Yeah, five, five threes. threes. That's absolutely was a career high, huh? Yeah. Is it one of those games that uh, stands out in your memory? Uh, there were there were a few. Good, you beat Monmouth, of course. That's the one that comes to my mind. Uh, you the buzzer beater, right? Right, the buzzer beater down in my. I was. Were you a freshman that year? Freshman, yeah. yeah. I remember that. It was like a turnaround jumper in the lane, wasn't it? Yeah, right. there was uh, a lot of the Monmouth people thought you walked. On <laughs> I that did point. walk uh, when I <laughs> when I cast the ball. Uh, I just threw me the pass so fast. I was I wasn't expecting it, but thank God I didn't call it. They didn't call it. It went in. That's one good memory. Another one is uh, the 25 points uh, almost a year ago, and uh, that had held up as a 25-point high watermark until TJ matched it on Friday. Uh, Joe, any uh, no, final good. words Thank from you. you? So that'll do it for us here. Uh, and the Stags do wrap up their seven-game homestand Friday, January 6th. They play Niagara. Good seats available. Go to fairfieldstags.com forward slash T-I-X. That's fairfieldstags.com forward slash T-I-X. Niagara on Friday. Then a full week off for the Stags before they hit the road for the following weekend, January 13th of Friday at Iona, and then January 15th at St. Peter's. And then the Stags return home to the beautiful Leo D. Mahoney Arena on Friday January 20th to play Canisius. Our next podcast will drop a few days before that Canisius game. So for Jay Young and for Jesus Cruz and for the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis and our great producer Ryan Moynihan, I'm Bob Huesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.